0: Remember, our Lord promised us this. He promised us that the world would hate us if we were true to Him. San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelion, speaking at the 2023 Issues, Etc., Making the Case Conference. He gave us the last beatitude, both in Matthew's version and Luke's version, that we're to rejoice when they ridicule us and utter evil against us unjustly, we're to rejoice. The apostles, in the Acts, they rejoiced that they were able to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. So it's up to us to keep the flame of faith and true alive in the darkness. The truth cannot be suppressed. Let us be witnesses of that. You can watch and listen to Archbishop Cordelione's presentation, Making the Case for Speaking the Truth to Power, and all of the teachings from this year's conference for a donation of $300 by Labor Day. It's available via on-demand video streaming or podcast. Learn more at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call, 618-223-8385. There is a CNN story that notes that Texas's infant mortality rate has risen in 2022. They immediately jump to an explanation that, of course, Texas was a state that implemented some abortion laws, and that's leading to the increased infant mortality. Is that true? Is there a more plausible explanation for that rise? And is this rise anything out of the ordinary for Texas? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. That's just one of the issues we're going to be dealing with as we discuss abortion-related issues with Dr. Michael New. He's visiting assistant professor of social research and political science at the Catholic University of America. He's senior associate scholar at the Charlotte Lozier Institute, Paige Comstock Cunningham fellow with Americans United for Life, and a columnist for National Review Online. Dr. New, welcome back to Issues Etc.
1: Thanks for having me. Much appreciated.
0: What did the Biden Food and Drug Administration announce last week about the oral contraceptive opil?
1: The Biden administration FDA announced that it had approved the oral contraceptive opil. And the reason why that's newsworthy is because opil, unlike other oral contraceptives, will be available over the counter. One does not need a prescription. So according to media reports, it will be available in grocery stores and convenience stores starting in early 2024.
0: What kind of coverage did this announcement receive from the media?
1: It received very supportive coverage. Most media outlets think this will expand access to contraception for women, especially young women and teenagers. And the media spin is that this will lower both unintended pregnancy rates and abortion rates.
0: What risks does OPIL pose to certain women?
1: Well, there's a number of women who probably shouldn't take OPIL, that if women have uh, pre-existing medical conditions like breast cancer and liver disease, those women probably should not take OPIL. That causes some health risks. Also, OPIL does have side effects. These include ovarian cysts, abnormal bleeding. This also includes depression, which has been a significant problem in recent years for especially young women. So, you know, there are risks it does pose.
0: How reliable, how effective is OPIL?
1: Well, Opil is actually a little bit less effective than oral contraceptives. But the important thing to remember is that even though some media outlets claim it has a high reliability rate, that's with perfect use. That's assuming that women do consume one of these oral contraceptives every day. In the real world, people, women, often forget or they miss a day or a couple days. And if women don't use it every day, it becomes much, much less effective. You know, it goes from, you know, effectiveness in the high 90s to effectiveness in the low 90s. And when you multiply that over many years, over many women, that leads to more and more unintended pregnancies.
0: Tiana Lowe-Desher responded to you recently regarding Opil in the Washington Examiner. What did she have to say?
1: she argued that opil would actually succeed in reducing both unintended pregnancies and abortions she thought that people using Less effective forms of contraception, like condoms, might start to use Opal, which she views as more effective. And she also takes issues with some of the studies I cite. She argues that there's actually kind of a fairly large pool of women out there who would, in fact, uh, use an oral contraceptive. Would it be available over-the-counter, which is what Opal would be you know, as of next year?
0: So what do you make of uh, Desher's arguments? Do they hold up?
1: I really don't think they hold up at all. I think that, you know, first off, uh, the effectiveness of Opal, I think, is overstated. I think Opal will be used by a lot of younger women who I think will use it a lot less consistently, a lot less reliably than older women. I think this will give a lot of younger women kind of a false sense of security. I think it may increase the pull of sexually active women, which may lead to more unintended pregnancies. And I just think she misreads a lot of the studies. One thing I've cited over and over again is that a very small percentage of sexually active women don't use contraception because of lack of availability. Kumacher did a study back in 2002. They found that only 12% of women not using contraception say cost or availability is the reason why most women using not using contraception don't use contraception because they're just willing to run the risk of getting pregnant or show trust in a partner cost or availability is an obstacle for relatively few women so again i don't think making contraceptives more available is going to really do all that much to lower either unintended pregnancy rates or abortion rates
0: has emergency contraception succeeded in lowering the abortion rates overall
1: No, there's actually been a lot of research on emergency contraception, and a a vast, vast majority of studies all show that making emergency contraception available doesn't lower pregnancy rates or unintended pregnancy rates or abortion rates. We have separate studies from Scotland, from San Francisco, some other areas, and they all point in the same direction. Increased access to emergency contraception has not been effective at lowering abortion rates.
0: What other effects has the increased availability of contraception had in family society in general?
1: You know, in general, I think that, you know, making contraception more available, I think, has has hurt families in many respects. I think it's create a culture that's a lot more promiscuous, for one thing, I think where there's a lot more people engaging in sexual activity outside of marriage. Another important impact that I think a lot of people miss is it's made it much, much easier for men to simply walk away from women they've impregnated. Prior to the availability of oral contraceptives uh, in the early 1960s, if you were a man and you got a woman pregnant, you you married her any man that would walk away from a pregnant woman uh, would be kind of lout and would be shunned. Nowadays, it's much, much easier for men to walk away from women they impregnate, and the end result is uh, a lot more single-parent families and a lot more children growing up without fathers.
0: Last week, CNN reported that there has been an increase in infant mortality in Texas in 2022. What did they claim was among the causes?
1: Well, not surprisingly, they decided to go ahead and blame the Texas Heartbeat Act. So the Texas Heartbeat Act took effect September 2021, and uh, because of the Heartbeat Act, you saw you know, a lot more children being born starting in 2022. So it seems that anything that's happened in Texas since 2021, the media is very quick to blame on the Texas Heartbeat Act, but as I'll talk about, I think that's really, really unfair.
0: You said that CNN engaged in statistical sleight of hand. How was that?
1: Well, they claim that there is this really big increase in the infant mortality rate in 2022, and they blame the Texas Heartbeat Act. But one thing they don't really talk much about in their article is that births went up, too. So there may be a higher instance of infant mortality, but there's also a higher birth rate, too. So essentially what they should do is instead of looking at overall infant mortality, they should look at the infant mortality rate. And the infant mortality rate went up by about 6.6%. Now, that may be a reason for concern, but that's much, much less dramatic than the statistic the CNN was citing. So that's one thing they did. They looked at just overall immortality numbers, but didn't look at the rate. They didn't compare infant mortalities to births.
0: What is a more plausible explanation for the increase in Texas?
1: Well, there's several explanations that they don't explore. First, there's been a big increase in illegal immigration. And uh, many women who come to Texas illegally are low income. They may not be getting prenatal care. That may be causing this increase. Also, you know, in 2021 and 2022, this was still during the COVID pandemic. And that caused a lot of disruption in prenatal care. So you may have women who just weren't getting the prenatal care they needed. Also, another thing that they overlook is that, you know, the Heartbeat Act, you know, is actually legally protecting some children with congenital defects. So, you know, a lot of uh, mortality involves children born with congenital defects passing away. Prior to the Heartbeat Act, a lot of these children were tragically aborted. You know, after the Heartbeat Act, some of these children were saved, but some tragically did die after they were born. So that's what's kind of causing, I think, any increase in mortality. The children who have otherwise been aborted uh, were born and got to die you know, a tragic but natural death as a result of, of the Heartbeat Act.
0: Why isn't an abortion counted as an infant death when calculating infant mortality? I imagine the United States' infant mortality rate would rise to alarming levels if it was.
1: Well, essentially... Uh, Infortality mortality only counts those infants who are in fact born alive, but then die subsequently. Abortions typically take place, you know, in utero, so essentially uh, abortions are just not counted as infortality, mortality. That uh, you know, abortions occur prior to the child's birth, whereas as if mortality you know occurs in you know, the weeks afterwards. So, abortions typically aren't aren't counted.
0: Tell us about a recent Associated Press National Opinion Research Center poll regarding abortion attitudes in the United States.
1: It's very interesting that National Opinion Research and the Associated Press have done quite a lot of polling on abortion since Dobbs. And the polls they do show results that are very, very consistent. So they've done four polls since the Dobbs decision. And in these four polls, support for legal abortion has fluctuated by about two percentage points. So again, very consistent. You know, you've not seen a big change since Dobbs. You've seen quite a lot of stability. Again, four separate polls, and there's been about a two-point swing in terms of support for legal abortion within these four polls.
0: What about other polls?
1: Yeah, a lot of the good polling that's come out since Dobbs also shows lost stability in public attitudes toward abortion. So you have uh, Gallup uh, has come out with some polling data since Dobbs, the Gallup polls, do, again, show that there's a lot of stability in abortion attitudes. Knights Columbus commissions a poll through Marist. Their polling data shows something very similar, stability. And finally, you have these uh, National Opinion Research Center associated press polls that show the same thing. So Gallup, Marist, National Opinion Research Center all show stability in abortion attitudes post-ops.
0: So how was the AP-NORC poll's questions, how were they unfavorable to pro-lifers?
1: Well, they kind of just asked if whether or not abortion should be legal or not. So I think that that's not necessarily a great question for pro-lifers. First off, because these questions didn't include for exceptions. Typically, pro-life laws pull better if they do include exceptions for rape or incest or life of the mother. And they also didn't really frame pro-life laws as protective of preborn children, that's kind of why these polls or the polling questions didn't really produce a result that was all that helpful or all that favorable uh, to pro-lifers.
0: What did that poll find regarding attitudes toward gestational limits and access to abortion? You
1: yeah, know, this is one thing that I think pro-lifers should find interesting and heartening. They did find in this uh, poll that 68% opposed legal abortion after twenty four weeks gestation. So a certain majority I would say of Americans oppose third trimester abortions. I had also found that even though the question wording was I think poor, forty five percent still opposed abortion after fifteen weeks gestation. That was close to plurality. So when you ask about gestational age limits, you know, there's law support. You know, people don't favor abortions in the third trimester, and they really for the most part don't favor abortions in the second trimester either.
0: Finally, what is the post-Dobbs media narrative as far as you can tell, and why should everyone be able to see through it?
1: Well, what the media is trying to tell us is that since Dobbs, there's been a big gain in support for legal abortion. And there are things that pro-life people should be concerned about. I would say the other side is more motivated. People who support legal abortion are more likely to vote. They're more likely to vote for a candidate who supports legal abortion. But overall, there's not been a big shift in abortion attitudes. As I said before, we have three very reputable survey research companies, and all their polls show a lost stability in abortion attitudes. So polls taken by Gallup, by Marist, by National Opinion Research Center, they all show quite a lost stability in abortion attitudes after Dobbs.
0: Dr. Michael New is visiting assistant professor of social research and political science at the Catholic University of America. He's senior associate scholar at the Charlotte Lozier Institute, Page Comstock Cunningham Fellow with Americans United for Life, and a columnist for National Review Online. You'll find a link to his columns at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk on Demand Archives. Dr. New, thanks.
1: Well, thanks, Harvey. Much appreciated.
0: Folks, did you know that this year's Lutherans for Life National Conference includes visits to the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter? The 2023 conference is October 11th through the 13th in Cincinnati. Find out more at lutheransforlife.org, lutheransforlife.org. Wednesday on Issues etc., we'll discuss the heresies of Nestorianism and Eutychianism with Dr. David Maxwell. We'll have Pastor Tom Baker lead us in a Sunday School lesson on the 12 spies in Numbers chapter 13, and it's media coverage of religion with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday
1: afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., PO Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. I am beautiful because
0: I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of His family through Jesus' shed blood.
1: Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy
0: Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways.
1: College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep. Scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konski, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. Bahama Mama ocean pacific paradise island retreat from the heat with the shaved ice snow cone from tropical snow in caseyville illinois it's right across the street from collinsville high school tropical snow is open daily from one to nine premium snow epic flavors lots of love tropical snow across the street from collinsville high school at 2134 south morrison avenue in caseyville Trinity Orchard Farm is settled between two rivers showing the way to the water of life. For worship that is reverent, relevant, and refreshing like pure water, or for excellent education in a unique setting, check out our church and school. We're just five miles north of Highway 370 on Highway 94 in St. Charles County. Visit us on the web at trinityorchardfarm.com. That's trinityorchardfarm.com. Our phone number is 636-250-3350.